from Studio C136. This is One Hour School Live! All right, welcome in to the first episode of the spring semester. This is Mr. Mertz. Uh, we have a new uh, group of students. Well, not a completely new group of students, but there are some new students that have joined the podcast. And there's also been some movement among the groups. Uh, so you're going to hear some familiar voices, but they may be talking about a different sport. And uh, they probably joined a different uh, podcast group. So be looking out for that. Uh, we also have added a uh, Olympic sports segment. So all your all the sports are covered in one hour school wide, and that's that's especially great since the Winter Olympics are approaching us very soon. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, for today, I guess I'll talk a little bit about um, off season college football. Um, that has been uh, hasn't always hasn't been the most fun off season, but it has been uh, very entertaining, especially uh, for the University of Oklahoma and uh, Oklahoma fans like myself. Uh, it appears that today uh, Caleb Williams is most likely going to sign with USC and join OU's former coach, uh, he who shall not be named, uh, at USC in uh, Los Angeles. So. Uh, Good luck to Caleb Williams, I guess. Uh, I don't know why it took so long to make the decision he, he made. I mean, it seemed like that was the obvious decision once uh, the coach left that he would probably follow him out to uh, to Los Angeles. Uh, so have fun out there, I guess. Uh, I can't say that I'm necessarily going to be rooting for uh, Caleb Williams uh, after this situation and how it has uh ended uh but i will be watching um so and i i expect him to play well and to probably light it up out there in the pac 12 now i mean if he doesn't and they lose a few games out there and stuff you know i'm i'm gonna be smiling but ultimately you know i i, I think he's gonna play well because he's he's a great player and uh too bad it didn't work out at ou but it didn't. Uh, also, it looks like Jackson Dart, the USC quarterback who is leaving USC because it was, it's obvious that uh, Kale Williams is coming in to take over that job, uh, who OU is recruiting. Looks like he has enrolled at Ole Miss, so he's not going to be at OU. So it looks like OU is going to roll into the spring into uh, next season with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, personally, I think that's I think that's fine, given what it is what it is at this moment. Uh, you know, the coach leaves, lose your quarterback, try to get Dart. Uh, but it wasn't going to be certain that Dart was going to beat out Gabriel for the spot anyway, because Gabriel's a pretty good quarterback and he's worked with uh, Jeff Levy before. So I think if, if Gabriel wasn't there, I think Jackson Dart would have came to OU. So uh, there must have been some uh, doubt that he could beat out Gabriel for that spot. So just have to roll with that. And uh, I think OU will still probably pursue another transfer quarterback in the portal, but it's not going to be a big name guy or a guy that can probably come in and start, but just somebody that's there in case uh, Gabriel goes down so they don't have to put in uh, Nico Evers, who would be the freshman. 
uh, true freshman. So, because uh, OU would always be one play away this year from having to start a true freshman quarterback. <laughs> and that true freshman quarterback isn't uh, named, uh, you know, uh, Caleb Williams. So, uh, though uh, OU's offense, you know, seems to be solid, uh, or at least, you know, in a stable position at this moment, there's still a lot of questions on offense. But uh, defense, though, seems to be kind of shoring up. There's been a lot of transfers that uh, Brent Venables and the defensive staff have been uh, pursuing and uh, uh, transfers and uh, 2022 uh, signees that have either decided to flip their commitment or decided not to sign in the early signing period and are going to sign at the late signing period in February. So there's still so much going on with uh, Oklahoma football and college football in general right now because of the transfer portal and NIL that um, even though the season's been over, I mean, for OU, it's been over for a month, but, uh, you know, for, uh, I guess the national championship game was two or three weeks ago, still not over. It's still going to continue. And once the spring games happen, there, it's expected that there's going to be more uh, players transfer, especially with the coaching changes. Uh, players are going to see that, you know, they don't really fit in into the scheme or, or you know, what what's going on in the program at that moment, and they're going to decide to leave. And there's going to be another round of transfers. Uh, so. It's going to be a busy off season and maybe it'll slow down in the summer. I'm not sure. Uh, other things looking forward to, um, looking forward to uh, soccer getting going. Uh, last night was nice with a, a World Cup qualifier with the United States uh, beating El Salvador. It looks like the United States is going to qualify for the World Cup this year, knock on wood. Um, so that's been fun. They play Canada on Sunday. I'm excited to go watch that game. Um, Canada is at the top of the table right now with USA second and uh, Mexico third. It looks like those are probably going to be the three teams that are going to automatically qualify for the World Cup. Uh, that'll be fun to continue to watch uh, throughout the spring. And also uh, the Houston Dynamo are getting uh, geared up for a new season. Uh, they play their first match on uh, less than a month from today. Uh, it is on February 27th. So preseason matches are already getting going and all that is happening. Um, excited to go out to the stadium again and see that and hang out with my buddies. Uh, hopefully the weather will be, uh, the season kind of starts a little earlier this year. So uh, that's nice, especially for Houston. So, and there's a lot of games, uh, a lot of home games for the Dynamo before June. So that'll be nice to kind of, to go to the stadium and it not be so uh, humid and hot. Um, like it was last year when a lot of the games were kind of in June and August. Um, excited to see what uh, the kit's going to look like this year. Uh, so for people that don't know, um, Adidas is the sponsor of the kits for uh, MLS. And every two years, they change a kit. They rotate a kit out. Um, so they have there's like a home and away. Well, it's not really home and away. I guess it's primary and secondary kits. So last year, the Dynamo got a new primary kit, which was the orange kit with a, a black and silver collar on it with the new crest. Uh, this year, uh, it'll be a new secondary kit, which most likely will be a black kit, which has always been my favorite of the of the Dynamo kits is the black ones. Um, it just looks so cool and clean on the pitch and um, just, you know, black, such a strong, awesome color for a sports team. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. I've been looking at footy headlines for uh, for any weeks or anything. I'm seeing other teams kind of 
start to leak. I saw Miami's leak the other day, and it's like a pink kit with a with a collar on it. Kind of, kind of. I don't know. I'm not really sold on it yet. I I don't know if the Dynamo's uh, secondary uh, new kit's gonna have a collar on it or not. But it looked like it looked a little bit like a polo shirt. So that's not necessarily what I'm looking for, or hoping for. But if it if it is, I mean, I'm sure that with the black with black and uh, the color scheme and logo of the Dynamo, I'm sure it'll look all right. Uh, but there's not much out there yet. I'm expecting that news to come down pretty soon. So hopefully that'll happen and uh, I'll have something to talk about. <laughs> We're kind of in a slow period here. Um, there's some college basketball going on, but, you know, nothing real significant is happening yet. You know, uh, teams that are winning are, are winning are supposed to win are winning. Teams that are not very good are losing conference play in the tournament. The Big 12 conference is so incredibly hard to win. Um not too much going on in that that aspect. Um, I would talk NFL, but I'm sure the three NFL segments that we have 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 that covered for you. So be looking out for that. And uh, with that, I just want to say thank you for listening. And here come our student segments. Hello and welcome to Inside the Diamond Baseball Podcast. Uh, today we have a few interesting things going on. Um, three main things. The MLB lockout um, is nearing some deals, so that's exciting. Uh, the Hall of Fame ballot, of course, and um, robot umps in the minor leagues. Um, I think we should start with um, the MLB lockout. According to the MLBPA, the uh, MLB uh, Players Association um, rejected a deal for that included increases in pay based on performance and awards. So um, it was like, uh, depending on the award, uh, like Corbin Burns, Cy Young, his salary jump or his um, bonus would have gone from $608,000 to $2.34 million um, last season. But they rejected the uh, offer uh, completely, and that would, have got, that would have bumped his salary up to, like, almost 400%, which was 400% more than it was, which was crazy. And that would have been, that would have been a lot, and um, especially with all the – Coronavirus, Omicron, and all that going on. Uh, I that's that's a lot to produce. That's a lot of money to produce for all of the players, for all of those um good players, and that would mean that rookies got a lot more um significant a significant amount more in pay, uh, especially good rookies. And so that that, that might have been fun to fun to see, but um that got rejected, which was kind of expected. Um, yeah, but they are having meetings, uh, from what I can tell, like every day, every other day, they're having meetings, trying to settle a deal and, um, and yeah, let's hope that, that, uh, comes by, uh, February 26th with it, which is when spring, spring training starts. And then, 
uh, a month later, March 31st, is when the regular season is supposed to start, when opening day is supposed to be. But um, we're nearing, we're just a month away, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes down. And I hope that works out. But um, anything y'all have to say about the lockout? Anything, anything y'all are excited about? Yes, yeah, spring training is just in a month, and uh, that uh, it looks like it'll definitely delay postseason also. So that'll be like trouble. Yeah, I mean the lockout. It's what William said. It's gonna delay the season, and like you never know. The World Series might be in like December or something crazy like that. So yeah, that would be pretty funny to see the um, World Series in in winter. <laughs> That'd be a uh, a little wacky, but uh, uh, that's that's pretty good. Uh, we're we're nearing a deal. Hopefully, 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 it comes by the start of the regular season. We have two months until the regular season, so even if spring training does not go on, then um, we should be fine with the unless they delay spring training and have to and get that all in because I'm sure the athletes are training and they're doing all, everything that they need to do now. Of course, um, nearing even spring training, they, they need to, uh, they really, they're still getting their bodies in shape and, and doing all the things that they would do in spring training. But um, uh, if they do delay spring training and they just have that when the season is supposed to start, then they'll just delay the whole season. I don't think they will do that, but it's very much a possibility. Um, that's really it for the lockout. But the next thing, there's a big debate. The uh, Hall of Fame ballot, which is very controversial. Um, David Ortiz and Barry Bonds. Anything y'all have to say about that? Just starting off. Yeah, I think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I know he used steroids, but like, I don't care. He had the most home runs ever. And, like, it's not like he was a power hitter with no speed. He had, like, 40-40 seasons. Like, he was an insane player. He has the most MVPs of all time. And, like, he's just – he's the he's the best player of all time. Also, yeah. Over, yeah. Uh, someone who makes the Hall of Famers, he has to have a heavy influence on the sport. And Barry Bonds definitely had a huge impact for baseball and MLB. Yeah, I agree with Ben that he's, like, put, he's put in baseball history, so – I don't get why he should be put out of the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Like, the whole de- the whole debate is that the um, steroid use, and the MLB does this a lot with, with like, if the Mike Schmidt thing, that, that makes me mad. Like, the Mike Schmidt thing that they that they um, took him out of the Hall of Fame ballot, that, was, that made me mad because he's the all-time leading hits. He's the all-time hits leader, and, and he bet as a manager on his own team. And um, – not against his team, on his team, and they still banned him from the Hall of Fame. And then also, they had, um, and then this this Barry Bonds. So, the whole thing is is the home runs, and that's that's power. That's his steroids. But he had a he had um, his batting average was like two ninety all season. And steroids do not help you hit the ball. Steroids help it, it helps with strength. But he had such a great swing and such a great eye. He um he was the most feared baseball player like ever. He had the most intentional walks ever. And but but steroids 
my issue with it is that steroids don't help you hit the ball. He's one of the greatest hitters of all time. Like, um, besides the home runs, he, he, he was a great hitter. And I think that for, for that, I think that they should, I, I think that they should put aside that. I think they should put aside the steroid use and, and induct Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. And I think most people would agree with me. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Reed, uh, the, it was Pete Rose who bet on his team, but you're good. And also, yeah, Barry Bonds, he was insane. Like, yeah, he had most intentional walks ever. I think he had the high, I think he has the, one of the highest on base percentages ever. And yes, Reed's right. He, steroids don't help you hit the ball. It just helps the ball go farther. Um, one other thing. So I'm looking at stats when he was younger and kind of in his prime. His stolen base numbers are crazy. It's not like all he did is hit home runs. And I mean, average-wise, what you're all talking about, stolen bases. I mean, he was great kind of all around in his prime. So he definitely deserves um, a spot in the Hall of Fame. 100% agree with that. That's – that's. Um... It's, he's just a, he's just a great all-around baseball player, and I think besides I think besides the whole steroid use, I think they should put that aside and put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Um, David Ortiz, on the other hand, he's he's great. I think he definitely deserves that. I think he definitely deserves that. But Barry Bonds should have got inducted in previous years. Yeah, Big Poppy is he was a he was a great baseball player. He led the Red Sox to multiple World Series. And like, I mean, everyone loves him, and he's he was such a good hitter, and I think he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Um, uh, that's pretty much all we have for the Hall of Fame ballot. That there was a debate, but y'all, robot umps in AAA. That's that's a big uh, that's a big change. <laughs> They're just trying something new. I guess that's that was a problem. Um, last season, people are starting to get mad about the umpires, about the the human umpires that nobody's perfect and that nobody can control. Um, I get okay, so I'm kind of midway in between in between this because baseball is America's pastime. It's it's the game. It's it's been around for a hundred years, and um, I think that I like what they're trying to do, like modernizing the game, but like robot umps, I get, I get that everybody's getting mad now because, because on, whenever you're watching it on TV, they have the little strike zone and you can, you can see that you can see what's a ball, what's a strike, what's a bad call, what's not. Um, and people are starting to get mad about that. And then um, they, they're bringing in robot umps. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good thing, to, especially to try it in triple in triple A first in the minor leagues and um, I think I think it's definitely a good thing to try, but I don't know if it'll make t- make it to the MLB anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, hu- human umpires like, I mean, everyone complains that the umpires make a bad call, and from the MLB to like, like the first time you ever play kid pitch, like people are human, and like, reads right, like moderation the game is good and all, but like. I think that I think the robot umpires like uh, there's no excitement to it. Like it's I kind of don't want it to be perfect. Baseball is like good the way it is. One other thing 
I mean, I don't know as much for baseball, but I know for sure in football, when you watch a game, let's say it's a rivalry game, there's going to be hits and there's going to be plays that might necessarily be a foul, but you kind of want to see it to play on. And I feel like it would stop the game a lot more if you had these robot umpires that called every little thing and didn't let some of these things that are kind of momentum based kind of play on. Especially with how like the game the game progresses, like uh, if a team is up sixteen to nothing in the ninth inning, they're gonna uh, the human umpires are gonna widen the strike zone a little bit and give the calls to the pitchers, um, uh, or or the the team that's losing, they're gonna give the calls to the team that's losing. But robot umpires won't. They'll make the game like one hundred percent the same for everybody, and and. It kind of won't be interesting because bad calls are fun and bad calls are like nobody likes bad calls, but bad calls are what makes sports sports like they're what they're what it's it's the human half of the game. It's the part that um, that creates this intense. It, it, it makes the game more intense and it makes it more fun to watch. And it's just I don't know. It's it's iffy. It's a good thing. I think it's a, definitely a good thing that they're not just bringing it straight to the MLB. I think it's a good thing that they're trying it in the minor leagues. Like with other sports, if they were to do that, they they don't have any other way to do that. Like the MLB, I mean the NBA, maybe the G League, but NFL, if they were to try to put um, automated umps or refs, they would have to just implement it straight into the sport. And that would just be – It'd just be kind of awful. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing to try it out in baseball and in the minor leagues first. And um, definitely, yeah, I think I think that's. I think it's it's a good thing to try. Yeah, yeah I'd ra- I'd rather keep uh, human umpires because it just ke- keeps the game the way it is, <clears throat> and it's better to be. I feel like I don't I don't like it to be perfect. Perfect. It's fine as like. A bit unperfect. They make bad calls every once in a while, but I I like that. Yep. Um. I think that'll do it for our episode. Um. Thank you once again. This is our podcast, Inside the Diamond. Uh. These are your hosts. I am Reed Flowers. I'm Jackson McPhail. I'm William Atherton. And I'm Bennett Abaza. Once again, thank you for listening. Welcome to MLB On The Line. I'm here with co-hosts Harris Mann, Rafael Arroyo, and Sean Allen. Um, I'm Jack Botros. Today we have a bunch of topics we'll be talking about. Sean, would you like to introduce our first topic? Our first topic is, are Barry Bonds not the Hall of Fame? Hello? I don't think it's right that he's in the Hall of Fame, especially since he took steroids, so did Roger Clemens. There's no real reason why he should be. I think that it's a terrible thing that David Ortiz made the Hall of Fame this year. I think that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and uh, Pete Rose were robbed. Pete Rose is the all-time hit leader, and the only time he didn't get the all—the only reason he's got like took away from the NFL, in the MLB, 
is because that he did a game. He was gambling, not even on his game. Yes, other but you games. have to also take. And and that's an outdated. That's an outdated rule now. People can now gamble that are in the MLB. So I think it's very wrong for him. You have to take and I think Harris. many MLB players the, that are in the Hall of Fame already. Harris, let me suggest that Barry Bonds, Roger Harris, Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Rollins and Ivan Rodriguez. So I think it is incredibly wrong for them not to make the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds had about 500 home runs before he started taking steroids, which didn't even matter. He has he has the hit wreck. He has the ability for him to put the barrel on the ball that consistently is Hall of Fame creditable. I think that steroids can really uh, can uh, can really improve like your way to hit the yeah, ball. Yeah, but they took steroids. The they they would have been in the Hall of Fame. I think Roger Clemens. I think Roger Clemens is really well. good because he has the strikeout and most in game, and I think he's the ability to be that consistent and smart with your pitching is Hall of Fame level two. I think it is extremely dumb for them to not be in the Hall of Fame. Many players that before they started checking for steroids probably took steroids, like King Griffey, probably someone else. They probably all took steroids without them knowing because back then they didn't check for steroids. So I think it's wrong for them to not let them be in the Hall of Fame. Like Alex Rodriguez, okay, so, he's still uh, working with Harris, MLB, and he got fired for steroids. They took steroids. They know that would hurt their career. And I think it's very unfair for them not to be in the Hall of Fame. You know someone and, who deserves to be in the Hall of and Fame? And also, David, David Ortiz, Ortiz, he could have still been in the Hall of Fame. He has more years for him to be in the battle. And I think it's, I think it should be the people's vote. Okay, thanks for that, Harris. Uh, we're going to move on. And I think this year it was the writers and, like, the publishers that voted. They didn't, the people didn't get the vote. Um, I think we're going to move on. Now, David Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he deserved it because he did not take steroids. Um, this did not hurt his career. Probably and did. therefore, he was inducted. So yeah, but I don't understand. I think steroids. Like, that's going to ruin the chance of the Hall of Fame. Like, that's just stupid, bro. Like, Raphael, do you have any thoughts? Um, I honestly thought that, you know, if you, if you take steroids, you know, it's kind of your own fault for not getting, like, you can't expect to get into the Hall of Fame after taking steroids. Like, it's really just Yeah, it's all like cheating in school and expecting, like, not to Exactly. It's like, what, what do you think was going to happen when you took it? When they took it, it wasn't illegal, and then they started testing for them, so they, like, had no way to go back. And it's very sad that that happened because it wasn't really yeah. – it was their fault for taking steroids. Like, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco and Sammy Sosa, I don't think should be in the Hall of Fame. But Barry Bonds, for his way to put the barrel on the ball and make that good contact consistently, is definitely Hall of Fame level. Yeah, but then you get, like, the most runs in the whole, in the whole career. Like, his – it's not that he hit the ball far. It's about his ability to make the bat hit the ball that well. Yeah, so I think right. that – I think the way that he changed hitting and his form is different from anyone else. He should be all the He should be all the I agree with you. Yeah. Um, also, I think part of the reason he didn't make it in was, I mean, he would have probably made it in with the 500 home runs. But since he had started taking steroids, he was considerably older. But he got much stronger, which was also raising suspicion. If he'd done it in the middle of his career, he probably would not have gotten caught. But because he did it then, that didn't really work out for him. So, anyone else have thoughts? 
Yeah, I think that it's – I think Barry Bonds thought that, like, they wouldn't touch him as much because he's an older person and they wouldn't have think he was on steroids. But at the time, I think that, like, he still made contact with the ball that well, which should be helping. I mean, it's, it's a shame. The person with the most home runs in baseball in history didn't get to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's a tragedy. Well, if he got more runs, like, they got each other runs without steroids or started taking them. And that is pretty Hall of Fame worthy. Exactly. Um, Raphael, you have anything else to add? Uh, no. Um, I think we should go on to the topic of the ongoing MLB lockout. Um, yes, that is a I've big heard, problem. From what I've heard um, in articles is they've uh, really started talking. The, the meetings are ramping up, but uh, they, they start talking more, but there's not they're not close to an agreement. So... But the thing is that if it doesn't end soon, it's gonna affect the spring training. Right, like, and the spring training—it's gonna really gonna not having spring training is really gonna hurt the rookies and the. Yeah, Harris, do you have anything to add to that? I have something to add to that. Uh, okay, what do you think, John? Sometimes it won't hurt the rookies because some teams, when they get like a rookie player and like really good, they don't play them for like a whole like month, and then they get like an extra year out of them. Just by not them. Well, the problem is they don't have enough salaries for those type of players, so they really have to make their picks count which is a problem because they really don't know what's going to happen in that season. Are there going to be injuries? Are there going to be other, is there going to be other things? So honestly, I think they just need to they just need to cut the salaries a little bit. And the players have to be okay with smaller salaries if they want to play. Because it shouldn't just be about money, it should be about playing the game as well. So I I think, think that, that I think the players I I hate to say but the players don't really care about playing. They just want to get paid. I know as much then why as they, 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 they can. The if, they if they got mad about getting paid, then why is MLB they, they just here? leave and play in a Sunday league so they could play more. The reason no. they play in MLB for that high of level is to get paid mostly. Like, for example, they would go to a terrible team for like $500 million. Like, I think if you gave Mike Trout right now an offer for $700 million to go to the. Hmm. I, the the no. uh, what's a terrible team? The uh, if we get if I get Mike Trout the offer to go play single ball single A ball for seven hundred million dollars, I think he'd take it. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that, or is that it? No, uh, I think you're really understanding the situation. Players in the union, there. Um, the reason that. It's not just money. Uh, that's why they're, they're the union. That's not what. That's not exactly what the union wants. The union wants um, free agency at uh, a much lower age, and then the businessmen at the top who run the MLB really don't like that. And also, they they do want extended contracts 
with uh with more money but that's just not but that's not really it like there's a lot more issues like i don't i don't even know all of them like there's not even like a big list that's just how many issues they have the player union but um just saying that oh they're they're doing this because of money just because the players want money is just really wrong that's that's really like misinformed honestly you know yeah does anyone have anything else to add? Or I think that might be it. Yeah, that'll be it. That'll be it. All right, that's all for MLB on the line. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep watching baseball or when it starts. Bye. Hello. Welcome to the first uh, episode of NFL 2022, brought to you by Blake Wilson. Reed Jenkins. Ethan, Ethan Hill. <laughs> All right, he can cut this out. Just redo it. Ready? Isaac Welcome to the first episode of NFL 2022, brought to you by Blake Wilson, Ethan Hill. Reed Jenkins. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of NFL 2022, brought to you by Blake Wilson, Ethan Hill, Reeve Jenkins, Isaac Allison. Um, today, we'll be talking about previous and upcoming games involving the 2022 NFL playoffs, starting off with Las Vegas Raiders versus Bengals. As most of you might know, the Bengals did beat that, win that game, 26 over Raiders, who had 2019. Overall, pretty good game from both quarterbacks besides Derek Carr's one interception. Both both quarterbacks threw for over 200 yards. Um, the running game for the Raiders was very good for them with uh, Josh Jacobs running for 83 yards and 13 carries, averaging 6.4 yards a carry. Um, on the wide receiver end, Zay Jones and Darren Waller, two of their big, big um, players this year, they showed up for them and put up good numbers. And for the Bengals, Running game wasn't as well as it was for the Raiders, but Joe Burrow throwing for 244 yards and two touchdowns. And again, Jamar Chase, just an outstanding performance by him, along with CJ Uzama. He had a touchdown and 64 yards. Joe Mixon with a bit of bit of carries. He carried for 48 yards and 17 carries, averaging out 2.8 yards a carry. Uh, Tyler Boyd with a touchdown, CJ Uzama. And then a big turning point play was not only Jermaine's interception, but also Trey Henderson's forced fumble on the 20-yard line. That was a big play for them. And Bengals eventually moved on to play the Titans. Thank you. Now I'll be talking about the Rams and Cardinals game. It, it wasn't really that close throughout the whole game. The, the, the Rams led most of the time. Matthew Stafford had a solid game, having going 30 for 30 for 17 for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Oda Beckham Jr. also had a pass for 40 yards. Receiving, Cooper Cup continues to dominate. He had five receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown. Odell has been really good since he's come to the Rams. He had four catches for 54 yards. Tyler Hickey is like, is like a really sneaky player for the Rams. He had three catches for 46 yards. And like Van Jefferson is like the Rams deep threat. So... He's really important to their offense. He had one catch for 41 yards.
on the Cardinals side, Kyler Murray didn't have the good of the game. He was rattled most of the game, having two interceptions and only having 137 passing yards. It was really big when DeAndre Hopkins went down for the Cardinals, and it's showing. Christian Kirk only had six catches for 51 yards. Rondale Moore had five receptions for 32 yards. There's not enough offense to beat the Rams. Um, the Patriots-Bills game, turns out the uh, Bills won and advanced to the uh, divisional round. So Josh Allen only threw for 314 yards and three touchdowns, which was not enough, well, which was enough to beat the Patriots out. Stephon Diggs had seven receptions for 85 yards and one touchdown. And Emmanuel Sanders had two receptions and 20 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, so the on, then on the Chiefs side, or the, on the Patriots side, the Matt Jones had 145 yards and he got two, in, two interceptions and he threw, he had 33 yards rushing, but Kendrick Bourne had two receptions, 33 yards and no touchdowns. And then the only kicking Nick Full had three, got one field goal for three points. And then there were um, 158 punting yards. Uh, and then um, Jacoby Myers had six receptions, 59 yards. And the overall stats, uh, Bills had 428 total yards, Patriots had 288 total yards. The first downs, Bills had 28 and the Patriots had 20. And then the fourth down efficiency was three to four for the Bills and five to six for the Patriots. All right, so now onto the 49ers versus the Cowboys. Very, very close game, but unfortunately the 49ers did upset the Cowboys in a 23 to 17 victory. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, not too big, not too impressive of a performance. Uh, he threw for 16 out of 25 of his passes with 172 yards, but unfortunately he did throw for an interception. Uh, Elijah, Eli Mitchell, the rookie drafted in the fifth round, very, very good for the 49ers. He averaged out 3.6 yards a carry. He had 96 yards and 27 carries, and he also had a touchdown. And then the most dominant player as far as of far in the NFL, in my opinion, Debo Samuel. He just he just balls out every game. He 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 rushed for 72 yards on 10 carries, averaging 7.2 yards per carry and a touchdown. Not only did he do that, he also he also on the receiving end uh, caught three passes for 38 yards and. Uh, also on the receiving end is Brandon Ayuk. He averaged 13.12 yards with six, 66 yards in total and five re receptions. George Kittle was pretty quiet this game, not going to lie. The defense showed out just like just like usual. And, yeah, the game is pretty good. Um, 49ers pretty much dominate in all categories. And, yeah. Uh, so the Chiefs build game went into overtime, which proved out the Chiefs won the coin toss and they got the touchdown to win the game. Um, Chiefs had 552 total yards and Bills had 400, 
22. Um, there were third down efficiencies were 8-13 for the for Chiefs, 6-14 for the Bills, and then on inter and time of the times of possession were 36 minutes for the Chiefs and 27 for the Bills. Uh, rushing yards for the Chiefs, dom the Chiefs dominate dominated the whole game, and they were only down in the third and fourth quarters. But the total games, the total points were 36 for the Bills and 42 for the Chiefs. On the Chiefs side, Patrick Mahomes threw for 378 yards and three touchdowns, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire had set 60 yards and an average of 8.6. Tyreek Hill had negative two yards. He, and then Michael Hardman had one touchdown and 31 yards. On the receiving end, Tyreek Hill had 11 receptions, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey had eight receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. Byron Pringle had five, had five receptions, 29 yards, one touchdown and then on the defense there was one sack by melvin ingram and that was only that was the only sack on the on their side uh, ryan pringle on the return had one return tw for 26 yards and on punt returns tyreek hill had 45 yards and mike hughes had one one return for 15 yards harrison buckter pulled out great with 20 with 12 points and 49 long yards and then his percentage his completion percentage was 75 percent it was three for four tommy townsend had 88 yards and one within 20 and then that's it for the chiefs and bills game the rams and buccaneers game was also a really good game it wasn't really close in the first half the rams at halftime, led twenty to three, but then, but then the Buccaneers came back because they have to go in Tom Brady, and they made it a really good game. They, the, they almost had to have to win, but Cooper Cup destroyed Anton Winfield on a deep pass from Matthew Stafford, and he and they and they ended up completing it, so they won the game. Matthew Stafford had was twenty eight for thirty eight, three hundred sixty six yards and two touchdowns. Wasn't really much on much on the ground. For Cam Akers, he had 24 carries, but only for 48 yards, which, which is an average of two yards a carry. He also fumbled, which set up the set up the touchdown for the Buccaneers to tie the game. Cooper Cup had a very, very, very good game, having nine receptions for 183 yards and one touchdown, averaging 20, 20 yards of reception. Odebecker Jr. Uh, had six six catches for 69 yards, averaging 11.5 yards of reception. Tyler Higby. Had four receptions for 51 yards. Uh, ben Jefferson didn't have that good of a game that he had last time, but he still had 29 yards. And and the, and the defense forced uh, an interception. Nick Scott got an interception. The Rams defense was really in Tom Brady's lap most of the game, and they and they and they really rattled him in terms of his production. He had it was 30 for 54 for 329 yards for one touchdown and one pick. Leonard Fournette came back in this game and had a really solid game, having 13 carries, 51 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Evans is the only receiver left on the Buccaneers, having eight receptions, 119 yards, and one TD. Gronk had a decent game, having four, pitched for 85 yards. 
And then Fournette added to his total for rushing with 56 yards receiving. Um, yeah, and in the final two games, Bengals, Titans, and 49ers, Packers, y'all might know the 49ers did upset the Packers with Debo Samuel having a great game. Packers just really couldn't. They played well overall. I just feel like they couldn't score very many points due to weather conditions. Um, 49ers defense really showed up. Same with the special teams. But, yeah, and then Cincinnati Bengals, Titans, Joe Burrow, another amazing game, throwing for 348 yards. Along with him, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, and C.J. Ozama. Receiving in for the Bengals was just phenomenal. Uh, they won off of a field goal over the Titans. Ryan Tannehill went out sad. Uh, he threw for three interceptions, one touchdown. And crazy. And A.J. Brown, his return, also had also had an average of 28 uh, yards per reception. He had five receptions and 142 yards and a touchdown. Um, along with him, uh, Derrick Henry did return. He didn't he didn't perform as well as people thought he would. But he did have a touchdown, and he did benefit the team. And uh, the Bengals dominated pretty much all game in every category. And, yeah, the that set up the AFC and NFC championship for Niners, Rams, and Packers, I mean, I mean and Chiefs, Bengals. So thank you, and we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to NFL Best Week of the Week. I am the head. Here with me, I have Matthew, Cole, and Noah. And today we're going to be talking about the divisional round of playoffs for the NFL. And we're going to start it off with the Bengals and Titans game. Uh, a big game with the Bengals knocking out the number one seed of the Tennessee Titans, 19-16. to 16. Uh, So, Matthew, would you like to tell us about how the offense was? Well, the offense in this game was quite underwhelming for at least the Bengals. Their passing game, it got going, but they weren't able to capitalize around the red zone, which led to a lot of Evan McPherson field goals. Tennessee, Derrick Henry just did not look like himself. He was definitely still struggling with that uh, injury. He was not, um, you know, as elusive as he, he was in the beginning of the season. But A.J. Brown, he really got the Titans offense going. He had 140 yards and a touchdown. He played extremely well. And, uh, yeah, what do you think, Cole? Um, I think that I totally agree with you on the offense part. And everything went pretty um, smoothly, even though it was low scoring, um, like you said. And the few bumps there were was, like you said, the Bengals not being able to – capitalize on the in the red zone the titans did okay in the red zone i mean Tannehill, even though he did throw three interceptions um was actually doing okay um and noah yeah i mean the Bengals. uh the Bengals quarterback joe burrow he was really good he was really good uh one is one interception 28 out of 37 completions, and 348 yards. And with that, we are going to move on to the next game, which is the 49ers versus the Packers. A surprising 49er victory in the snow, 13-10, to 10, off a game-winning field goal by Robbie Gold. Um, so this game was 
we're not going to spend too much time on this game. It was pretty underwhelming because it was in the snow. So, uh, Matthew, do you just have just stuff to say about this game? So, Rogers just played horrible. Honestly, did not play well. He was kind of forcing the ball to Adams. That wasn't working. He only really got his yards from one. It's 225 yards, seven, 70 of them came on one play at the end of the first half. He just he didn't look like himself. Their offense really struggled. The San Francisco defense, their linebackers played really well, um, and their corners uh, played really well. They didn't give up any uh, deep plays over the top. Aaron Jones was the only highlight of this Packers offense, who had like 170 yards from scrimmage on nine catches. But, yeah, if you want to win any game, especially a playoff game, you have to score more than 10 points. So disappointing from the Packers. What do you think, Cole? Well, I think this one went a lot like the Bengals and Titans game where I think the offense was underwhelming On because I thought this would game was going to be like, you know, like a rather high-scoring game, but the elements prevented that from happening. I don't think that there was only like – sorry, never mind. There was a lot of field goals. And um, but I was really surprised about the fact that Debo Samuel didn't really do as well as he had been doing the past couple games. I think he he had um, less than 100 yards, which it, now I think about it is pretty good. But I expected a little more out of him, despite the elements. Um, Noah. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, they they surprised me. Like I thought the Green Bay Packers were gonna win. Oh, the San Francisco 49ers were the underdogs in this game, and and they just they just played well, and they played they played a little bit better than than um the Packers, which which led to their victory. So now with after that, we're gonna start to get into the better games. Next game we're gonna be talking about is the Rams versus the Buccaneers with the Rams edging out victory 30-27. to 27. And in the same game, Brady almost had another comeback, but the Rams, with, or I should say Cooper Cup, was able to uh, so help win the game. Um, Matthew Stafford having his second career playoff win, looking good on the Rams so far. Lions fans are pretty jealous right now. So, uh, Matthew, what do you have to say about this game? Well, first off, I think that Cooper Cup, who had nine for 183 in, in a touchdown, he kind of proved himself a little bit more because I think a lot of people were maybe doubting how good of a receiver he actually was since he did play mostly in the slot and um, only lined up uh, on the outside a small percentage of snaps. But I think he really proved himself in this game. Um, the Rams, they couldn't really get the running game going. Cam Akers only averaged two yards per carry, and he fumbled twice. So that was um, not that good. But I think that the Rams played a good all-around football game until kind of the end where they started letting up some points. But, yeah, good victory by the Rams. Yeah, and I want to mention one thing. So something historical happened that weekend, and that is for the first time in NFL history, three road teams won the divisional games. And that's going to lead into the next game. Like, the Chiefs were probably pretty worried. But anyway, one of, like Matthew said, one of Cam Akers had two fumbles. One of them actually almost cost them the game. Now, um, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just scored one touchdown, and the Rams on second down decided to rush up the middle, and one of the linemen got a hand in there and it fell out, giving the Buccaneers a chance to score another touchdown and tie up the game. Thankfully, however, the Rams were able to go downfield and kick a field goal. Um, Noah, you want to explain a little more? Yeah, like uh, this kind of this game kind of reminds me of the Falcons and the Buccaneers game. If the Buccaneers had just won, it would have been a really big upset uh, for the for the Rams because if they led this, if they led the um, if they led the like just lost to the lead, they had like a really big lead. So if they lost, the like all the fans would would be mad at. Them. So now we're going to move on onto our fourth and final game. This was the Bills versus the Chiefs, an insane game, probably the best game of the playoffs. I'm going to go on and let probably the best game of the season, 42 to 36 with the final score with the Chiefs beating the Bills, explosive game offensively. Both quarterbacks had 60 rushing yards. Both had over 300 passing yards, Three, uh, both just crazy players, random players coming out and helping like Gabriel Davis for the Bills. Matthew, you want to elaborate a little bit more on this insane offensive game? So this was um, a game, it, it kind of started out slow, but over the game you could see that um, these quarterbacks being so good, making all these plays, they um, got the defense tired. Both defenses at the end of the game were absolutely gassed, which led to like whatever it was, all those touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And um, that 13 seconds where the Chiefs got the field goal. But, yeah, I think Allen and Mahomes, these two performances were probably the number one and number two performances of a quarterback this year. And it was just insane going back and forth. They both had, like, they both led their teams in rushing with 68 and 69 yards, and they both had four total touchdowns. And one more thing is that Gabriel Davis, he's a wide receiver out of UCF. This is his second year. He played very well. He had four touchdowns and 200 yards, and I think he um, he's definitely going to be a, a great receiver for them moving forward. Yes, I was extremely amazed by the fact that he did as well as he did, especially considering that he had only had 800 yards. Sorry, yeah, 800 yards in the rest of the previous season. And um, Kansas City, I was also amazed they were able to score a field goal in 13 seconds, which was incredible. But I do want to mention, um, I kind of think the that by Kansas City winning the coin flip, that also went into their victory. Because let's say hypothetically Buffalo got the coin flip, they could have, instead of Kansas City getting two straight possessions and just winning like that, Buffalo could have had a chance to at least score. Noah, you want to like elaborate on that a little? Yeah, like, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess you're right. Like, if Buffalo got the coin flip, they would have won the game. This was a, this was a, like, a really, a really competitive game, to say the least. And with that, that is all our divisional round games. Uh, thank, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all uh, during the conference championships, and see you all later. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back to NFL Top News, starting your host, Rustin Goshen. Today we're here with our co-hosts, uh, Bodie and Ibrahim. Starting off today, I'm going to talk about the Rams Tampa Bay playoffs, NFL, right? This is a close game. All the games uh, in the playoffs have been close. Uh, either field goal, like going into overtime, some sort of it being close. Um, now, this Rams versus Tampa Bay game, uh, the Rams won 30-27. to 27. Tampa Bay had a better record than the Rams, and I thought they were just a better overall team. So I was kind of surprised when the Rams beat Tampa Bay, and even Tampa Bay has Tom Brady, one of the best QBs of all time. Um, now, LA Rams, Matthew Stafford, they have a lot of talent. I would say more talent than Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay I feel like is a more good altogether team. The defense might be a little lacking, but the offense is great. LA Rams um, won by a field goal. Um, OBJ proved that he's not washed. A lot of people were saying he's washed. Um, when he was on the Browns, the reason he was so bad was because Baker Mayfield has been deteriorating as a QB, in my opinion. He hasn't been playing at that level we saw him, or we thought of him, like a year ago, two years ago. Uh, another game I want to talk about is Kansas City versus Buffalo. This game went to overtime, and I, I, I like watching this game. Kansas City, I expect them to go far. Um, they didn't do the best in the at the beginning of the regular season, but they brought it back up. Patrick Mahomes uh, showed why he's one of the best QBs in the league right now, um, beating for, uh, Buffalo 42-36. Um, same thing that uh, Kansas City and Tampa Bay have in common is their defense is kind of lacking. I talked about this in an earlier podcast where they didn't pay – they paid a lot – of money to sign contracts for the offense, but not a lot for the defense. So their defense is lacking talent, but it does the job. 36-42, um, a lot of points. I think this was one of the more higher scoring games of the playoffs. Uh, maybe due to the fact that it went to overtime, but Buffalo, Josh Allen played well. Uh, sure, uh, he didn't win the game, but I felt like Josh Allen did his best. Now, I can't wait for the Cincinnati-Kansas City game. I'll be watching that January 30th. But yeah, that is all for me. Uh, going on to Bodie. So whenever he slipped, like, 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 like
Today I'll be talking about um, Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay Jr. and how he was arrested Wednesday in Overland Park, Kansas, for a misdemeanor criminal charge. And uh, according to Johnson County Sheriff's Office, uh, or that's where he was assigned. At, that's where he was assigned for his time for now. But Willie uh, or Gay, he's 23, and he was arrested around 10 o'clock and assigned at Johnson County Jail. He pleaded not guilty to the charge and was released like Thursday after posting a $1,000 bail. Uh, Gay's alleged to have, to have caused cr criminal damage of less than $1,000 for a district court of Johnson Council uh, after that. And the damaged property included a, vac a vacuum cleaner, a wall, and doorframe. The class was like a charge, he was classed as a class B uh, non person misdemeanor charge and constitutes domestic violence events. And Bonnet is due back in court on March 2nd, I think, and the Johnson County Sheriff's Office is where he'll be held. The media was told by Gay's representative that Gay got into an argument with his ex-wife and destroyed her vacuum. Uh, a second-round pick, he was also a second-round pick by the Chiefs in the 2020 NFL Draft. Gay has started 11 out of 12 games played this season. He logged around, like, I, I could say, like, 50 tackles, maybe, like, two interceptions. And the second-year linebacker played, like, 17 snaps in Kansas wild card win over the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, last year. And although Gay's a pretty good player, I don't really think him like not playing the next few games really affect the Chiefs that hard. Uh, my other topic to talk about is how the Steelers, uh, Steelers QB, Ben Roethlisberger, Roth, Roth I think that's how you pronounce it, is retiring. And the 39-year-old has indicated the move was coming and that there was perhaps a chance that he could extend his career with another franchise. He retires as members of the Steelers holding nearly every notable franchise QB record. In his time with the Steelers, one of the league's most storied franchises, Roth Roethlisberger, reached an NFL record of 18 seasons without ever having losing a uh, campaign. <clears throat> with uh, with Rose Ro Roethlisberger in the mix, uh, I mean at the helm, the Steelers were, were always like uh, in in the mix, like culminating with the Super Bowl XL win with the head coach Bill Cowher. He led the Steelers to three Super Bowl appearances in all 12 postseason berths and eight division titles. 
statistically speaking, Roethlisberger's uh, career is among the all-time greats. He finished his career ranked uh, eighth in passing touchdowns, fifth in passing yards, completions, and attempts. In terms of Steelers, Roethlisberger is the franchise standard in QB wins, passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, attempts, game-winning drives, and fourth-quarter comebacks. Roethlisberger has 165 wins. And they are the most second most behind Tom Brady with the New England for most QB wins in the career with a single team. Though the great Terry Bradshaw owns four Super Bowl titles with the Steelers, Roethlisberger's dominant dominance in every other category makes an argument for being the best quarterback in the history of one of the league's best franchises. Uh, Rustin, you can go now. All right, before we go, <laughs> I want to add a couple things. Uh, I don't know how uh, San Francisco beat Green Bay, and I think uh, I, I think Green Bay is gonna uh, fall apart after this. <laughs> and Rodgers is probably gonna either retire, probably not, or just go to a different team. That's all for me today, and everyone else. Uh, thank you for listening, and have a good day. Today. Um, I'll be talking about Olympic diving. So Olympic diving is where first the divers jump off the platform uh, into the pool. They dive seven times. In the air, they will do sorts of flips, twists, and like other movements. Each dive is scored based on the starting position, the takeoff from the platform, uh, how they look in the air, and how they look when they hit the water. The top two scores, the highest, well, the highest scores that the divers get, and the lowest scores the diver gets out of the seven dives, um, those, the lowest and the highest are eliminated, and the other three scores are averaged up, and that is the diver's final score. Um, history. Olympic diving first premiered in the Olympics in the 1904 Olympics at St. Louis. It has been a sport since then. The sport itself has changed since then, though. Platforms have been raised, um, and much more advanced flips have been performed now that people back then ever thought were possible. Um, the best, some of the best divers are Wu Mingjia. Uh, for China, female, seven medals total, with an overall score of 33 points. Chen Rowland uh, for China, female, five medals in total, and an overall score of 30 points. Uh, Gu Jingji uh, for China, also female, with six medals total, and an overall score of 28 points. Fu Mingzhi, also for China, and also a female, with five medals total and an overall score of 26. Greg Luganis, for United States, male, with five medals total and an overall score of 26. Um, Pat McCormick, for the United States, female, four medals total and an overall score of 24 points. She Qingmao, uh, China, for China, female, 45. Four medals total and an overall score of 24. USA has the most overall medals and China is 
closely falling behind with 47. Um, now on to figure skating. Figure skating is an Olympic sport where individuals as well as pairs perform jumps, spins, and almost dance-like routines on ice. Depending on how well the routine is performed and how engaging the routine is, judges assign points. Whoever's routine gets the most amount of points wins. There are four competitions related to it in the Olympics, figure skating men, figure skating women, figure skating pair, and ice dancing. History. Figure skating dates back to 3000 BC in Scandinavia when people in Finland made skates out of bones. The skates back then were just used to get across frozen lakes. In the 1850s, steel skates were made by Edward Bushnell, an accomplishment that advanced figure skating. Since now, skaters were able to turn faster. Then later in the 1860s, Jackson Haynes started doing ballet moves while skating, creating a more modern version of figure skating that people still practice today. Forty-some years later, figure skating was added to the Olympics in 1904. It is the oldest Olympic sport. Fashion. Fashion is a big part of figure skating, and points can be even taken off if multiple judges agree the outfit is of bad taste. Figure skaters often wear colorful dresses or pantsuits. They are occasionally bejeweled or have jewels beads on them. The sport has been ridiculed because of this, but it is a sport, and an Olympic sport to that. It is just not the most ma masculine sport. Many people have questioned if it is a sport at all. Um, world standards. The best three female skaters are Anna Sherbako, 17 years old for Russia, Karayo, uh, Sakamoto, 21 years old, Japan. Eliza Vita Tukamashia, 25 years old, Russia. The best three male skaters are Nathan Chen, 20, 20, 22 years old, from America. Um, Yuzura Hanyu, 27 years old, Japan. Yuma Kagayama, 18 years old, also for Japan. That's it for today. Bye. Hello, guys. This is The Real Football. And today, where are your hosts? Andrea Ramoli, David Camarillo, Warner Andrick, and Preston Padgett. Today, uh, today we're, we're going to talk about the Serie A um, matches and their scores. Okay. So the first match we have is Verona versus Bologna. This is actually very surprising. Um, Verona won two one against Bologna because. <laughs> okay. Um, Alright. Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Actually, Bologna stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Anyways, okay. I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. Bologna should have won this. It's actually kind of surprising that Verona won. Yeah. I actually think Verona's not doing too bad this year. Um, yeah. I'm not that surprised that Verona um, <laughs> beat Bologna. <laughs> okay, in the next game up, we have Genoa versus Udinese, and they tied 0 0. Uh, not the most interesting game. Um, then we had a turn. Inter versus Venezia, which Inter did win two to one. Uh, I feel like and, they could have won by a bigger amount. I right, thought, because Adam yeah. Jekko scored in the 90th minute. Yeah, 90th minute. 
Okay, um, next we have Inter versus Venezia. Oh, uh, yeah, Lazio versus Atalanta is what I meant to say, sorry. Uh, this is, this is, hey, I'm talking. Do not disrespect the Mafia leader. That's me. <laughs> David, don't say that stuff. All right, next up we have Cagliari versus Fiorentina. Wait, Lazio Atalanta was 0-0. Oh, I mean, I I, yeah, I, I we, wanted Atalanta to win, but I mean, they didn't, no, Atalanta, uh, uh, they should have won. They didn't. Uh, they didn't. Uh, actually, <laughs> Atalanta was Atalanta was basically defending for their lives because Lazio. I watched this game. Today. Um, Lazio you know, it was all attack. It's like the Italian Harry King. Yeah. Um, Andrea, shut up. Yeah. Preston, actually. You have no right to leave this. All right, club. and then I uh, Lazio. So Atalanta had many players that were injured uh, due due to COVID or just injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree, agree. And next up, we have Fiorentina versus Cagliari, which also tied one-one. This was interesting. I mean, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Fiorentina uh, should have won this, yeah, and I'm they got sorry. a red card. That's like right. And then we had Torino versus Sassuolo, which tied also one-one. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sassuolo's in a long I want. I mean, it's I actually kind of tight. Kind of, yeah. Because Sassuolo, they haven't been doing very Both good. Both mid-table teams, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, right. we right. have Napoli versus Salernitana. Uh, um, Napoli won this 4-1. to one. Good job. <laughs> that was quite, <laughs> that's quite <laughs> obvious what the result was going to be. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Salernitana <laughs> should be happy that it's been at least 4-1. <laughs> Next up, we have Spezia versus Sampdoria. Spezia won 1 0. Um, yeah, pretty interesting. Oh Spezia pulled off the win. Then we had Roma versus Empoli, which Roma won 4 2. This is, yeah, not surprising. I mean, yeah. Roma's just a good team. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, then the marquee have, match uh, Milan versus Juventus, which tied 0 0 as well. You know, actually, this game. Uh, Milan would have won, but since Kessie was off in Africa, um, I mean, I mean, uh, eh, eh, yeah, don't eh, be disrespectful, eh. bro. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not that's um, not funny. But this game was very chaotic. There was um, yeah, 16 like, fouls for and Milan and then 19. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, I missed her. Sorry, five yellow cards. Yeah, um, for both teams, <laughs> there have there are. Two yellow and cards for both teams. Sixteen corners. <laughs> Sixteen fouls and and nineteen fouls in total. And then eighty-one pass accuracy. And yeah. then and then forty-six possession. And fourteen shots Milan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you what a dub. The end profit was zero zero. Juventus should have gotten blown, bro. Yeah. Um, um I actually watched we, the game and it was that. pretty equal. Juventus did David more like that, huh? All, right. All right, next we will talk about transfers. Yeah. And um, um, this transfer is Anthony Marshall. He's Martial. a center for Martial. I don't care. He's French, okay? And uh, he plays for Man United. Psych! <laughs> now he plays for Sevilla. Fussing. Now we have Jeremy Bogatom. Who's on Sassuolo? Jeremy Bolga. Just got bought by Atalanta. No, yeah. no. 
Pardon for his pronunciation. Now we pay for us a lot. Uh, on a loan transfer, yeah. Sheesh. All right. We had a. Uh, we got. We uh, went from Ajax to Shikar. Uh, he has Shikar. Corona. Corona. <laughs> yeah, Corona probably has a. Tecatito. 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 Next, we have David Neres. He was on Ajax. Now it's on Shakhtar Donix. And uh, Premier League. Oh, no, Premier League. Uh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Rip off. <laughs> Next up, we have, uh, <laughs> we have Lucas Digne, who was on Everton, but Everton? then just moved to Aston Villa for Aston 30 million. Uh, he's going to do good. He's going to do good. I'm happy with this transfer. He's going to do good. All right, and then we got... <laughs> We got Farron. <laughs> we got Farron Torres. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to transfer. Who? Barcelona bought. <laughs> uh, the 21 year old got bought by Barcelona from, um, to Barcelona, who was Barcelona? previous on Man City yeah. for a whopping 55 million euros. Yeah. But that's a lot for Farron So, this is going to wrap it up for today's. Um, podcast yeah. this was our host david camarillo born and see you next week hello welcome back to another podcast from european soccer report Today's episode is brought to you by Federico Moratti and Mr. Chen. Sadly, we lost um, Blake Wilson, so from now on, it'll just be us two. But we'll skip the doing episode. Uh, you want to start with Sturdy All, Sounds good. Um, so since um, since there's been so many games since we've taken a break, um, we're probably only going to talk about the um, the last two match days for every single one. So I was that was just a heads up. Yeah. So uh, if you started sorry, uh, uh, two match days ago, big games. Um, Atalanta Inter, a uh, big game for both Inter first on the table. Atalanta, if they won, they might have had a shot at going for the title. Uh, ended zero zero. Uh, looking back. It was a fair result. Any team could have won it at any time. But um, Atalanta was missing 10 players. So I think it's a big result for them. Inter should have done more. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're completely right on everything you said there. Um, also, Atalanta in their next game, at the next match, they also tied it 0-0 against um, Lazio. Yeah, that's, that, that was a good question. They're missing ten players in that game too. So I mean, it's yeah. a pretty critical situation, and they even sold Gozins. So yeah, a big loss. Yeah. So also another pretty big game happened: Milan versus Juventus, which also ended zero zero. It's kind of weird how all these games and all these like I guess team like these teams. Uh, Wait, these which games, game? Which game? The Milan Juventus game. Wait, no, Milan won that. I mean, Milan lost that. 
No, it was zero zero. No, Milan Spitz ended two one for Spitz. Yeah. No, no, no. I said Milan Juventus. Oh, Milan Juventus. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Zero zero. Yeah. Other games include Empoli Roma, in which Roma won four two. Uh, yeah. Napoli, Salen. Well, a, a shocker. A, a, okay, a few shockers. First, Cagliari, Fiorentina. Fiorentina's been doing good. Um, they tied that one. Not too big a deal. Inter, Venezia, Inter did end up winning, but they were trailing. And Venezia, um, Inter had to tie it towards the end of the first half. And then Inter went on to win it with a great goal by Zeko in the 90th. So, um, very good game. And Milan Spezia, Milan losing to Spezia 2-1 with a 96-minute goal. Uh, some say there was an unfair referee call. In my opinion, it was. It, it depends on what point of view you're looking at it from, but it was a big game. And Very close game. Yeah. Pretty surprising that Spezia clutched it up in the ninth. I mean, not really. They won the game in the 96 minutes, so... So that, that's a pretty, I guess, exciting game. I don't know. It's also a shocker. Yeah, it really is. And upcoming games. Uh, now there's the the international break, but on February 5th, when the teams come back, right off the bat on Saturday, the derby Inter Milan. That's, uh, that's going to be a game to watch, definitely. Yeah, first and third place, really important. Fiorentina Lazio. Also pretty important. Uh, you know they're both there competing for Europa, maybe Champions League. So we'll see. Yeah. So then, yeah. The table has pretty changed a lot since we last saw it. So right now Inter is on top, and Napoli and Milan are tied for second, I guess. And but we're still seeing that big gap between um. The first three places and like the four, five, and six. Yeah, but keep in mind that Atlanta's six points behind, but a game behind. So if they do win that game, it's only a three point difference. That's true, that's true. So yeah. And Juventus coming in close there. Juventus, look, like Juventus, Barcelona, Arsenal, they're all doing terribly at the beginning of the season. They really woke up, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, like I think a lot of these teams we like these some of these teams that we we're saying we're not doing well at all in the last um in the and like at the beginning of the season but now they they just really came back up yeah they're exploding Juventus hasn't lost a single one of their last five games they were able to scrape up uh, eleven points in five games that's so Inter is also one game behind so um so they're if they win their next game. They're probably gonna pull ahead, and yeah, like you said, it's it is the Milan. I mean, yeah, it's the, gonna be the Milan Derby, which is the next. Yeah, one, so. uh, I think it, everyone said the the title. If Atalanta was still in the race, was gonna come down to Inter Milan. They tied. I think Atalanta's out of the title race. Um, even though they are a game behind, Inter is two. So ten points. I don't think they're gonna catch them up. Now I think the the it's down to the derby to see who wins the the scudetto because if Milan were to win the derby, they'd be one point behind. Okay, Inter have a game less, but one point behind. I mean, if they can catch up, 
they can definitely catch up. Yeah, definitely. It's down to the Derby and Inter Napoli, which is the following week. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So, yeah. You said you basically said it all. Um, you want to move on to, I guess, the Premier League? Sure. So, again, lots of action happening, but we can't talk about it all since we don't have enough time. So, yeah. Man, you came back to fourth place. Pretty surprised. Yeah, wait, so what were they at the beginning of the season again? I mean, well, near the, near, near the beginning. Well, Man, you started off very well, and then they dropped. They were down in seventh, eighth. Now they're back in fourth. Uh, oh, wow. Arsenal, Arsenal got kicked out of like fifth or fourth or whatever they're in. Yeah, they were fourth for a time, but yeah. Mm. Still doing really well since we, especially since we were saying that that they weren't doing well at all this yeah, year. Yeah, and and they tied to Burnley. Uh, oh, that's really that's Sunday. So. That is unfortunate, especially since Burnley is at, at like at the bottom of the table. Yeah, last I really thought, place. Really thought they could have won that. Yeah, had they won that, right now they'd be at the fourth place above and West Ham. Also, Man City. Nine points above Liverpool in second place. Huge gap. Yeah. Um, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm, it feels like the game, I mean, it's essentially already over. Sad for in these leagues, Serie A, Premier League, Bundesliga, all the t- inter Man City and... Um, Bayern Munich, they just pull ahead, and there's not even competition by the time it's the reverse fixture, so. Yeah. Pretty sad. But, but Liverpool, nine points behind, but a game to catch up, so we'll have to see. Yeah, maybe if Liverpool wins their next game, then they'll have a chance to catch up, but that's only Man City, like, I know, maybe they'll be able to catch up. And we see two big gaps, so the gap between first and like second and third and everything beneath and the gap between second and third and fourth and fifth just like huge drops in well, fourth and fifth isn't that big fourth and fifth is one point third and fourth is uh, yeah no no i meant between yeah. third and fourth yeah. yeah another nine points yeah and also um i want to go back to match the 22 i don't think we covered it main city beat chelsea not much then there was a remake of match day 24 I think, yeah, yeah, maybe the day before, Brighton tied with Chelsea, and then match day 17, Tottenham Leicester City, because they had to remake it up. Uh, I don't really know the reason. Leicester City was leading 2 1, going into stoppage time. Steven Bergwijn, sorry if I mispronounced that, tied it at the 95th and won it at the 97th. So, that, wow. That's, that's crazy. Two stoppage time goals. Yeah, that's a very exciting game. Yeah. And not much. Oh, Chelsea being Tottenham 2 0. Fits. No, no big surprises left. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm pretty. Oh, yeah, we already said Arsenal tying with Burnley. Also, Southampton oh, oh, yeah. tied with um, Man City. That's I a- just saw that. Wow. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Actually, that's a lot of shockers. Like in these last few games, very exciting. 
looks very exciting here. Yeah, because I think the teams are churning up, waking up. Uh, this season is about to end. If you're not, first of all, the relegating teams have to wake up. And then the mid-table teams might want to get a shot at, I don't know, Europa League or Conference League or you know, anything. Yeah. I think we've covered pretty much everything. If you want to move on to La Liga. Sounds good. So. Barcelona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Barcelona back up. Oh, yeah, they're like, all the way back up in fifth. Yeah. Real Madrid tied to Elche. Uh, Elche. Atletico beat Valencia. Uh, nothing too big here. I I'm kind of surprised at Atletico who was able to win the title against a good Barcelona and a good Real Madrid last year, wasn't, it, it isn't, it, it's like fourth place, but 14 points behind Real Madrid. Mm. 14 points. Yeah. It's a big lead, and Barcelona one point behind them. Real Sociedad, who was first, is now down in six. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. see any real action here. I'm pretty sure they are like neck and neck with Real Madrid, like switching places constantly mm -hmm. at the near like the beginning or middle of the season. Yeah, they were, and uh, now it's down to Seville and Real Madrid. Real Betis is ten points behind. Uh, I don't see him coming back. Real Madrid, Sevilla, four point difference. Uh, whoever wins their head-to-head -head match, I think, is going to have they already played their head-to-head -head match. Wait, let me check. Um, okay, where is it? Um, I think, yeah, they might have already played it. Yeah, I think they already played it. Maybe. Do you know how it ended? Because if they already played it, I don't think Sevilla might is going to be able to easily. No, they didn't. It's April 17th. All right, that'll be. Essentially, a game to decide. Uh, yeah, we'll see because April 17th is kind of far ahead. So we'll see how the table changes. Uh, six points between Real Betis and Sevilla. I don't see that changing much, but we'll see. Yeah. So, anything else you want to cover here? Uh, I don't think so. There's nothing much too big. Villarreal losing to Elche. Yeah, pr pretty big shocker, but Villarreal also tried to Atletico week before, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you want to move on to Bundesliga now? Sure. So Dortmund's still at the top. Of, I Bayern, sorry, um, still at the top of the table um, over Dortmund by six points. Probably going to win it again this year. Yeah, sadly. I say sadly because not get sure for one or the other, but uh, it's kind of annoying to see the same team win it for years and years on end. Kind of like Juventus and Serie A up to two years ago. Yeah, Byron has just been winning it like over and over and over. It'd be nice to see a different team win. Yeah, and Dortmund too. I mean, it's it's always Bayern and Dortmund, Bayern Dortmund. Bayern ends up winning it all the time, but Dortmund's always like runner-up, like Europa League, Champions League, it's Dortmund, Dortmund here, Dortmund there. So it's always two teams, especially because whenever there's like an uprising star in this league, 
uh Byron and Dorman's here and they just buy it right away. they buy the player right away. So I mean like Lewandowski, he was in Dortmund. Byron bought it bought him right away. So there's not much chance for other teams to develop. Also um Leipzig, who usually does really well, is down in six. I mean, that's not a big drop. I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, but with one win, they could go fourth. So I oh, can see them. Yeah, coming back. yeah. They, they're, they're a good team. They're pro- they have a pretty good chance of going to the Champions League. Yeah. Oh wait! Wow, Bundesliga is completely like everyone has is twenty has to play twenty games. Yeah, they're different. all balanced. Yeah. Yeah, because COVID has been messing up a lot. Uh, I guess good job Germany for keeping the players safe. Yeah. Um, yes. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, all that I can think of. Yeah. You can't really talk about the champions or Europa League since they, they're not playing until uh, like February or something. Yeah, uh, and uh, mid February, so we'll have to wait for that. Can't wait to watch those games. Yeah. Um, yeah, but thanks for tuning in, and I hope you come listen in on the next episode. Hello and welcome back to another week of Everything NBA. I'm Maya, joined by Adam and Ethan. Today we'll be talking about the East and West Conference All-Star Game. Um, the All-Star Game is going to be played at the Cavs Stadium in the city of Cleveland, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Now let's go on to the Western Conference. In the front court, we have LeBron James leading in votes at just around 7 million, which is a lot of people voting for him. Yeah, um, is around four million, so there's a big difference between first and second. So I think LeBron is just gonna stay there as votes keep coming in. Um, third, we have Andrew Wiggins, who's just above two and a half million. Fourth, we have Paul George, um, who's just over two million. So that's close between third and fourth. And fifth, we have Anthony Davis, who's at two million. Uh, what do you guys think about these top five? Um, I think it's a pretty good pick. Um, and LeBron James, I think that he's rightfully number one with his skill. Um, I'm kind of surprised by Andrew Wiggins being ahead of both Paul George and Anthony Davis. Um, not many people really know of him. He's on the Warriors. He's their small forward, and he averages about 18 points a game. Yeah, I mean, I think he's done decently well this year. And, uh, I don't think he's made it to the All-Star game before. I'm not sure if he has. Yeah, I don't think he's been an All-Star before. And um, he's a- for our guards for the Western Conference, number one is Seth Curry at $6 million. Um, number two, we have 
Joel Morant, who has been doing, um, he's been doing very well this season, uh, who's just above two and a half million. So, big difference between first and second place again. Third, we've got Luka Doncic, who is almost at two million, just under. And then Clay Thompson, uh, I think since he was injured, he didn't get as many um, votes. He is just above one million. And then Devin Booker, which I'm honestly surprised, he's just above 800,000 votes. Uh, I'm actually very surprised, too. I mean, I thought Chris Paul would have made it, I mean, at least in there, you know, instead of Devin Booker. But Devin Booker is a pretty good player, so. Devin yeah. Booker is their star, though, right? He, he's their highest scorer. He's the one that led them to the championship last year where they lost to the Bucks. He's he's probably their best player. Okay. Chris Paul um, is good, but he's old. I think for the Eastern Conference, it's not a surprise who these people are. Um, first is Kevin Durant, who's almost at five and a half million. Um, second place, uh, I mean, uh, second, Giannis, who is just above five million. Third, we've got Joel Embiid, who is almost at three and a half thousand. I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, three and a half million. Jason Tatum is at one and a half million. Jimmy Butler is uh, about one million three hundred thousand. And six, we have Jared Allen. Uh, Jared Allen, who is at five hundred thousand. Um, um, so it's pretty good for the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference isn't really that great, but they still have a lot of good players. Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid are all averaging upwards of uh, yeah, um, uh, I think uh, I think that Jason Tatum. He he's been doing well. Uh, he should uh, he should definitely be in the All Star game, in my opinion. Yeah, but the Celtics are losing games. That's yeah, why he's yeah, the Celtics are okay. Uh, I mean, they do have Jalen Brown though, who has been an All Star. Yeah, he has, but I don't know. The Celtics are bo- bottom five in the East, and uh, I guess everybody just expected they'd be better. But Jason Tatum's still doing really good, even if he is on a losing team. Um, all right, Issa, do you want to say the guards for the... Uh, sure. Eastern. The guards for the East are DeMar DeRozan at number one, with, over, with a little bit over four million picks. Trey Young at a little bit over two million. Zach Levine almost at two million. James Harden fourth at almost at two million again. Lamelo Ball from Charlotte Hornets at fifth place. He almost has a million. Kyrie Irving at sixth place, and he's almost at a million also. And ninth place Darius Garland. He's at half a million. Um, I think I think the reason why Kyrie Irving not getting as many all-star votes first of all i don't think he could play in the all-star game because of covid and just he's been out for so long and i don't think people uh were like so certain about Kyrie. 
Is he playing now? Um, uh, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. I'm not surprised that they're the top three. Um, they've been doing really well. And, I mean, they deserve to be in the All-Star game, in my opinion. And uh, James Harden at number four. Kind of surprising, actually, because in Houston, he was so good. He would be top one or two every time in the Western Conference. Yeah. And now, um, now all right. I think we can uh, all share our starters. Um, I'll go first. I honestly think it's going to be Giannis, KD, Seth, LeBron, DeMar, Jason Tatum. Um, who else was there? Uh, John Morant and Nicole Jokic. Those are my, uh, or uh, some of my starters. Uh, Maya, you want to go ahead? Uh, my starters is going to be Kevin Durant, Yanis. Um, I think Joel Embiid is pretty good. Um, Jimmy Butler and James Harden. Uh, for me, I think DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, and maybe Jimmy Butler for the East. And then for the West, Steph Curry, LeBron, Luka, Nikola Jokic, and John ja Morant for the West. Um, and uh, so the top players for the Eastern and Western are the captains of the team. So that is uh, most likely going to be LeBron James, uh, unless unless there are going to be two million people who just decide to vote for Nikola Jokic instead. Um, and for the Eastern Conference, I think it's close, but uh, I think uh, Kevin Durant will come out and talk for the captain of the Eastern Conference. Um, all right, so uh, from the game, we also have the dunk contest and three-point contest. Uh, who do you guys think is going to be in those? Um, for the three-point contest, I think Stephen Curry definitely because his three-pointers are pretty great. Yeah. And what do you think, Isa? Um, Steph Curry, like you said. I also think Zach Levine from Chicago has a good chance. Uh, maybe Jason Tatum, Devin Booker probably. Um, maybe like uh, Clay Thompson or Luka Doncic. Maybe Luka, but I don't think Clay's been back long enough. Um, and uh, Paul George, maybe, most likely not though. Um, what about the dunk contest? Who do you think will win that? Dunk contest? Honestly, I would like to see Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, um, Embiid. Morant, uh, uh, yeah, uh, John Morant should definitely be in that, and Andrew Wiggins. Um, why Jimmy Butler? I mean, has he done any really good dunks? Adam? Wait, what? 
Why do you think Jimmy Butler should be in? Um, I mean, he's a good paint guy, and he's had some good dunks. Um, I just think he he'd be like a fun contestant to watch. Yeah, I guess. Uh, um, I think Maya? I think Morant could be pretty good in there. Um, Luca Doncic, he's pretty good. Clay Thompson. And Devin Booker definitely could be a good dunker. Oh yeah, oh for the for the three point contest we should add Ben Simmons into it. Oh. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, that would be funny. He would miss every ben shot. Simmons. He'd look even worse than he is next to all the great three point shooters. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that's all for like All Star Weekend. We got the dunk contest, three point contest, and then we've got the game where like most teams normally get to like 150 points or something. So I think it'll be fun to watch. Do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, no. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think let's end it here. Um, I'm Adam. I'm Issa. And I'm Maya. Signing off. This is Black Eggman on Everything NBA. Hello and welcome. This is Global Soccer. Today we're going to be talking about some big games like Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid. So, Michael is going to start us with his game. Michael, you can go. Okay, um, last game from January 21, Friday, with Watford and Northwich City, with 0 to 3. Um, Watford are without a win of nine games in all competitions. And. Their longest run without a victory since December 2013, Northwich enjoyed their biggest margin of victory in Premier League matches since beating West Brom 4 to 0 in May 2013, and their biggest away from home in division since September 1993, a win of 5 to 1 win at Everton. Watford have now gone zero Premier League games without a clean sheet since a 3-0 win with Liverpool in February 2020, with only West Brom enduring longer such run run in the history of the competition in 2011, Blackburn in 2012, and the Wolves in 2012, both also on 30. What a win for the visitors in the Super 2nd B half means to come out and top a huge crash at the bottom and will back Norfolk with all three points. Things look promising at, at the break for the host after a first half where they dominated possession and had better of the chances. Sisoko and Samir could have had the Hornets ahead at the break and they were made to rude those missed chances early in the second half when Sargent got on the end of the pookie cross. The Americans swung a leg back and managed to connect with the ball, sending a pinging off the bottom of the crossbar and all over to the line to put his side in front. 
The game was then stopped for well over 10 minutes due to flood life failure. However, that didn't stop Norwich to Montana. Just minutes after the rest restart, Sargent got on the end of the Rushka's cross with a towering header to double his side's lead. Dennis saw red in the 74th minute for a second yellow to compound the home side's misery before a Kuga on goal as he tried to clear and Ida Cross finished the game of the visitors to give them a huge 3-0 win. Thank you, Michael. For now, I'm going to start with my big game again. First of all, we're going to go with the Premier League from RSCB versus Man City. Man City got two points and RSL only got one. It's looking bad for RSL because RSL has also lost the FA Cup. So, so first of all, we can start with the Premier League. The Premier League, Man City will end in New York's year 11 points on the Premier League. Man City boss... Prep Gunderola has faced Anderson more than league competition without losing any other team in his whole career. Anderson has now lost 10 straight leagues and countered with Manchester City. City is some behind 10.5 to beat 10-man Anderson. So let's get started with the game. So the game started by, by Gunderola try, trying to make a goal. He did not make a goal. The person who did make a goal was Bekiola Sake, which was really open. The goalie left the goal open. Anasuria has lost their ninth prim since their 2-2 draw in April. It's the strongest ever losing win against an opponent in their league history. Man City have won each of their four leagues against Anasuria by an aggregate score of 9-0. It's as many wins as the citizens have picked up their 50 leagues visits. Pep Golda three changes to the side beat Benford on Wednesday. Manchin, Manchester City starting outside four to three with Sterling on the team. Now we can go to the FA Cup and also the Adversary lost to the Northern Forest with only taking 500 passes. It's, it's looking nowadays, if you pass more, their people are not scoring. Well, the game, the game for Rotem who scored was Rotem Forest Yates, who was a striker, number seven. Dejus Spence also got a yellow card. The, the Zikr Miguel is down after a poor aim to the throat. However, he doesn't require too many to play. Wide Nitter rolled out of the challenge. He also saved the goalie, also saved a Guinness Stike free kick, which was a free kick to Perry after the curling shots. So the goalkeeper was good. Now we're going to talk about the second half of this game. It's been door so fast with either side being capable to muster up quality, particularly the final third. A few pop up shots at the edge of the box and for luckily Anisir saved those. Kono drives down right at the edge of the box and as you know he's been in the round 32. So Michael who do you think is gonna win the FA Cup? Um, I don't actually know but it depends on how they're playing and um what their their plans for the enough uh the game 
yeah, I I personally think Arsenal are not gonna win. The Northam Forest are gonna win. Or the Man City. Man City have been really gaining up some games. Like their last game, they went to Sudden Town. Then Man City went to Arsenal. Then Man City went to Benford. Then the whopping went one with Newcastle with Liverpool City. As you know, they're like their ten game streaks. The the streak started after the UAFE league. We, we can talk about the match. So we can start by going from the beginning. Yes, Martinez ready gold when also the striker didn't want him, and then. Uh, where does it go? Say, yes, Jamie steps for a free kick. So this game was a Group A game, not six of Sunday on for the Man Cities. Michael, who's your favorite soccer team? Um, my favorite soccer team is gonna be uh, between Barcelona and uh, Manchester City. Yes, I personally think that um, FC Barcelona is good, but Man City is really going good too. And Liverpool's also, honestly, also last time lost with with Liverpool, as you can see, Google analysts say. They, the Jodo Jota Gold, Thomas Padre Gold, and Jota Gold. This game was a really short game. It really much didn't happen. All right, so we're going to look at the Wolves versus Anishu, which is going to be happening next. Wolf has a 20% a chance of winning. Anishu have a 43% chance of winning. I personally think the Wolves are going to win. And a 29% draw. Michael, who do you think is going to win, the Wolves or the Anishu? Mm. Uh, you think the Wolves are going to win? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because Anishu has been playing really bad these days. And Mountain is number one in the club right now with 23, 23 MP. And GF of 55, Poons of 57. And only one minus the last five. So this this is our podcast. We think I'm Mohammed, and thank you. That's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.